You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With the Joes and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network. Welcome back, BetQL Daily, right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Wednesday, presented, of course, by BetMGM. Joe knows coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll look ahead to college football, some futures as well, in the 11 a.m. Eastern hour and line moving across the NFL. But right now, we go out to the guest line. Ben Brown, pro football focus, joining us. Talk week three and all the storylines in the NFL. Ben, uh, we were just discussing season-long stat leaders across the NFL. And I'll throw it at you this way. If you had to bet one of these two categories, Carson Wentz to lead the NFL in yards or Carson Wentz to lead the NFL in interceptions? He's tracking for both right now. We were having some fun trying to figure out where to bet on Wentz. But Ben, if you had to pick one of those for Wentz to lead the league, where would you go? Uh, I would definitely go with the interceptions. I do think they, you know, seem to be obviously the high volume type pass and attack with, you know, the wide receiver position, I would say almost kind of set in Washington, but uh, I don't know if he's going to stay as effective as he has been so far. And we have seen, you know, kind of a pretty high turnover worthy play rate so far through two games. I think basically only Matt Ryan has, you know, a higher percentage of bad throws than what Carson Wentz has. So I, I think if he's, you know, uh, still struggling with the pressure type situations. He's probably going to lead uh, the, the league in uh, interceptions, especially if he starts all 17 games. So uh, give me the interception prop more than the yards prop. That's for sure. Ben, I'm glad you brought up Matt Ryan because in that same conversation, that's a name that I was bringing up and you could find him at 30 to one of the most picks. And he has had a season uh, where he's had 16, 17 interceptions. And that's about what you need nowadays uh, to, to hit that, hit that prop most in most interceptions but uh just in general what do we think about the Colts here another terrible start under Frank Reich now he's regarded as one of the better coaches in the league but we know that in September they get off to bad starts uh is it oversimplifying all of the issues going on in Indianapolis to just say hey it's the Colts it takes them about a month but to get their sea legs, and uh, we'll actually learn some stuff this morning, th- this weekend, in a desperate spot against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I, I think it is probably a little bit of an oversimplification. I do think, you know, like you said, we are going to learn uh, a lot about the, the Colts' resolve and facing off at home against the Kansas City Chiefs, basically, you know, six and a half or seven point dogs. But it's been a disaster so far. I do think there was maybe you know, some silver linings in previous seasons with how they, you know, started the season. At least they were, I would say, somewhat competitive. But um, they've lost or, or lost or tied against, you know, some of the, the teams that we would have expected to be bottom dwellers. And I don't think Jacksonville is necessarily, uh, you know, a, a bottom-dwelling team in 2022. But the fact that they couldn't even put up, you know, an offensive touchdown, may, maybe they probably should have, you know, after the game was out of reach. But they're, they are simply not making uh, the types of plays that, good or even average football teams make a lot of drops. They have no secondary wide receiver outside of Michael Pittman. Uh, Matt, Matt Ryan, you know, is, is, is under pressure on, you know, roughly 40% of his 
uh, drop back situations and he's just not a guy that can navigate a stressful pocket at this point in his career even you know he's probably worse much worse in that regard than even Carson Wentz was last year at least Wentz was capable of you know being the big big quarterback and being able to kind of at least turn some of those negative plays into positive situations with scrambling Matt Ryan's kind of a sitting duck back there and they haven't been good at the tackle position so I think they could you know continue to be bad you know all the way through September and uh, and into the rest of the season, especially if they don't show something, uh, some sort of life against Kansas City this weekend. Yeah, I keep wondering how Jim Irsay is what he's thinking after he took all those shots at Carson Wentz. It doesn't hmm. look that much better for them right now. Yeah. Um, is there a coach, Ben, that has impressed you so far through the first couple weeks of the season? For example, like a Mike McDaniel. And uh, how would that upgrade, if you will, affect how you would play that team moving forward? Yeah, definitely. I, I, and it is definitely, you know, Mike McDaniel. Um, you know, he's He's definitely pushed all the right buttons, I would say, you know, from from the team building perspective, uh, you know, having Tua on a rookie deal definitely helps them uh, be able to kind of bring in a guy like Tyreek Hill, who can, you know, alleviate pressure on a guy like Jalen Waddle and actually help him be the best version of himself. Uh, And those two combined, obviously running wide open against, you know, Baltimore Ravens secondary that had a number of blown coverages, but on top of that, he is, you know, putting this team in the best position to win, going for it on fourth down, even when, you know, he could be made of a fool of if they don't actually end up getting it. They have been converting those so far. So I do think hopefully we can continue to see him being really aggressive. But, you know, through two games, I think he looks every bit the part uh, and more as far as a coach that uh, is setting up his team week in and week out uh, to win football games. And I think that's kind of exciting. I think, you know, Outside of that, um, and it's, it's, you never really want to always talk about the negatives, but I do think, um, you know, from a coaching perspective, it's, it's maybe easier to identify the situations where the coach isn't necessarily putting their teams in the best position to win. And I think that's the spot where you can maybe uh, attack or fade those sorts of teams in the betting market if you've kind of noticed some of those situations where the coach isn't maximizing, uh, you know, the win probability in-game especially. Just say well, Denver. Speak- Go ahead, Ben. Yeah. Just say yeah. Denver. <laughs> Just say Denver. And I think, you know, to a lesser extent, uh, the Chargers, right? I think, um, you know, when you look mm. at Brandon Staley last year, uh, there was probably the question of, is, is, is he, you know, is he this sharp, shrewd, analytics-type quarter, uh, analytics type coach, or is he uh, overly aggressive? Or is he just, you know, being really aggressive in his first year uh, and maximizing that, that sort of strategy? And I think, you know, when looking back on it, especially the decisions he's made this year, it was, you know, an overaggression. I think him maybe trying to take a step back from that uh, has been an overcorrection. And I do think, you know, that's a spot where if he continues on in that trend, uh, it's, it's it's a reason why the Chargers, you know, might struggle to once again make the playoffs again in the AFC, I would say. All right, let's go to, to the Chargers game on Sunday. We were discussing our show survivor pick for our contest here, Ben. And our first instinct before week three arrived was Chargers, long extra rest at home. Jacksonville felt like the right spot. And we've kind of talked ourselves away from that because the Herbert injury, Jacksonville looks better um, than maybe we thought. And, and, you know, and, and the Staley thing now factoring in Survivor this week, Jacksonville and, and, uh, and the Chargers biggest spread seven right now. Would you be on the Chargers this week if you had a Survivor pick or would you walk away from that for all the factors we just discussed? Yeah, I mean, I I think the Chargers have to be, like, the least 
uh, not necessarily appealing to you, but like week in and week out, you obviously have to find a spot to uh, play them in Survivor, but that would be uh, maybe the most stressful weekend of my Survivor <laughs> if I was in that particular contest. I just, I, I mean, they, the games are always close. They're always tight. For some reason, the Chargers just can never put teams away. It does seem to be, you know, baked into their, uh, you know, betting market expectation. But, uh, you know, with the widest spread this weekend, I still think, you know, with Tre- what Trevor Lawrence has kind of flashed at certain points this year, I think Christian Kirk has been, you know, much better than expected as well, getting open on, I think, roughly like 80% of his targets so far this year. Like, the Jaguars can kind of beat anybody with, with Trevor Lawrence playing, you know, as well as he is at quarterback right now. So I would probably look, you know, for a different spot um, than the Los Angeles Chargers this weekend. Uh, but then in saying that, I'm not sure if you're going to ever have a perfect week to actually lock them in as your survivor pick either. Well, Ben, after the first week of games, everyone jokes about, oh, it's overreaction Monday. This is overreaction uh, week if you're a better. Well, it's not limited to week one. You go to week two, and some of the moves that we saw, let's say, in the MVP market or some of the Super Bowl odds, like it's staggering. It's overreaction a whole lot, I'd say, in the first month of the season. And if you look at the Super Bowl odds and the point differential after two games, the funny thing is top four lineup. They go right in order. It's Bills, Chiefs, Bucks, Eagles. That's the order for the Super Bowl. That's the order for the point differential. Are there any uh, are, are there any teams that you're thinking, okay, let's not overreact in the negative sense. We don't want to completely bury this team just because the point differential looks bad after, after two games. They still have life and they still have a ceiling where they can make the postseason and take a deep run. Yeah, I, and I, 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 I was higher on uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, I would say, than even like the betting market headed into the year. You know, they haven't been, you know, great whatsoever. Obviously, Joe Burrow's struggled behind uh, what looks like, once again, a ragtag offensive line. I did think, you know, the acquisitions that they brought in would be a lot better than what they were through two games. But I still think they're a team with way too much talent to uh, be completely written off right now. The, the, the AFC North definitely hasn't separated, you know, from Cincinnati. And I do think, you know, even with a tough schedule, they are a team that is going to compete week in and week out. And I think if they get, you know, one or two victories under their belt here, uh, they're definitely going to be in position, I would say, to win the AFC North once again. So they're kind of the team, you know, I bought into them in the preseason. I think if they, I think if I didn't bet them the first two weeks, I would be, uh, I wouldn't have lost too many bets. I'll say that much, but they were the one team that was, highly negative um you know from a betting outlook for me personally so we'll see if they can turn it around but uh i I think they have too much talent in order to kind of finish outside of the playoff picture from my perspective ben thursday night football tomorrow steelers at browns browns um four and a half point favorites a lower total of 38 and a half is there anything you like or have your eye on in this one whether it's side total or maybe even some props yeah, I um I I don't mind going over the total. I think when you get, you know, this low of a number, uh it, it's hard from like a model perspective to not just play, you know, the opposite side given how low, you know, the, the total has actually become at this point. Thirty eight is just something we rarely if ever see. So I think if you see, you know, even one or two big offensive plays, you could even get a special teams play or or a turnover, you know, in the opposing team's, you know, red zone type situation. Those are all things that are going to lead to a pretty easy cover of the over. So I do think playing that uh, makes a lot of sense. I also think, you know, the, the Browns on the money line lane, you know, minus 205 or something is, does does seem like a little bit of value according to PFS modeling. So 
I, I don't hate that either, but um, there's there's nothing really on the spread. I do think, you know, there's, there's probably a case to be made for, you know, Mitchell Trubisky to be better even than what he's shown so far. But we have Jacoby Brissett as, you know, the, the better quarterback through two games from a PFF grading perspective. Ben, almost every graph I see Pro Football Focus put out this week with the top offenses in the NFL, they all have the Lions in them. They're all near the top five in terms of efficiency and points and explosion. Um, Your thoughts on the Lions as we head to this game against Minnesota? They've been dancing around six and a half, you know, seven-point underdogs, maybe dropped a little bit this morning. Do you think they're live in this game? And, And how high are you on this Lions offense moving forward? Yeah, I, I am. I'm. I, they've definitely looked the part. I think you know defensively, uh, a lot of concerns with their secondary, especially. But I do think a lot of that is injury related. So uh, I think they can. You know, Jared Goff has been much better than expected. I think you know Amon Ross St. Brown also much better than expected. So they have you know kind of a high octane offense. I don't think they've necessarily done it against any really legitimate. You know, I guess the Eagles in week one, I would say, is, you know, pretty legitimate defense. But I think they, that was more of a situation where they were, you know, in comeback mode uh, and being productive kind of in the fourth quarter. So I, I, I would want to see it, I would say, one more week from Jerry Goff. But I do think, you know, this match against Minnesota uh, makes a lot of sense for them to not only cover, but probably be live outright as, you know, a plus 200 or so dog uh, on the money line. I, you know, Eric Eager has... Um, you know, brought me in along enough times to the point where I have to stay restore the roar and all these other things. So it's uh, it's, it's yeah. part of my contract now. And unfortunately, it's just a situation that uh, I'm riding with all season just based on, you know, the vibes at this point. Well, Eric's leaving. So, so you can throw that to the side now, right? No, I mean, I, I've pushed against it just like you, Ben. And, and I find myself this week looking at that number like, geez, the Lions number to win the North is better. Are, are the Packers and Vikings uh, that much better? So I kind of understand where you're coming from. Uh, of the the week three matchups that we have not discussed, which one is the, the first bet that you made early this week when the numbers dropped? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did get on some Lions plus seven. That's obviously down to six now. I don't love it uh, that much mm-hmm. of that spread. The other one I really like, Baltimore, um, you know, even as a three-point you know, road favorite. I think New England uh, is is not a very good football team. You know, they made some plays downfield last last week. Nelson Aguilar had, you know, the Moss-type catch that went for a touchdown. But outside of that, I don't think they have a very good offense. I think Mac Jones um, probably isn't as good without Josh McDaniels in the fold that the betting market's even priced it in right now. So I think Baltimore, you know, outside of their secondary situation, I do think they're a little bit banged up, but uh, they should not have any trouble taking care of New England at home. So I think Baltimore minus three is probably one of, if not my favorite bets this weekend. Quickly, any thoughts on the Mike Evans suspension and what might happen there and how that might affect their game this week? Yeah, I mean, they have, uh, they need Julio Jones back. I will say that much. I do think, you know, the, the wide receiver situation has obviously gotten really bad. Bringing in Cole Beasley, is he actually going to be ready this week or not? Uh, I do think Green Bay's defense is better than what they've shown so far. They do have, you know, a really high pressure rate. I do think if they can actually get quick pressure on Tom Brady, uh, it, it's going to be a really difficult match for the Buccaneers, especially if no wide receivers are separating downfield. So I'm concerned. I think without Julio Jones, uh, the Green Bay Packers are, you know, a, a legitimate play, especially if they kind of hold to this plus two and a half point number.
Great stuff. Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus. Ben, we appreciate hopping on the guest line. We got a lot to do here, including Joe Knows on the other side. Sports betting questions. Joe will answer. A lot to discuss. College football next hour. Line moving across the NFL right here on the BetQL Network.